0: Welcome to another episode of Pat and the Fat Man, where we like to talk about whatever we feel like talking about, usually movies and sports. Today we're going to be talking about our second half of Star Wars Episode 1, The Phantom Minus. I'm Pat.
1: I'm the Fat Man, otherwise known as Bruce.
0: Alright, so
1: let's get going to Tatooine. So we escape And as is cosmic fate in all great sagas We end up on Tatooine
0: Because of a hyperdrive problem Because there's always a hyperdrive problem Somehow, in some way, the hyperdrive will always get damaged Why? I don't know. I have to assume that it's like this giant, big, clunky thing that's hanging out in space behind the ship, outside the shields, because it always gets damaged. (laughs) Always!
1: Really, what it is, is the hyperdrive is the most complicated piece of machinery on any starship. Yes,
0: and therefore it should be the most well-protected, but apparently it's not. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... For the
1: longest time, that was the way it was with nu- nu- nuclear technology.
0: <laughs> uh, nuclear technology is, is fairly well protected.
1: Now? Ask the Russians on how well they protected their nuclear subs. <laughs> no,
0: I'm, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Nobody cares about a radiated fish.
1: <laughs> uh, so we ended up on Tatooine. Where, of course, we meet Anakin Skywalker. Um, This saga's, quote, hero, anti-hero, villain, whatever you want to call him, he changes into different roles constantly in this trilogy.
0: <laughs> yeah, so they get to the planet figure out, yep, it's hyperdrive. We gotta go get a new one, go in. We meet Watto, our first uh, flying alien, which was uh, really cool, because I can admit his special effects stand up. Yes. Uh, he did not feel cheesy. I didn't feel like I was talking to like a fake character I felt the whole time I never really questioned his existence, <laughs> you know. And they, the same thing was true with Jar Jar, right? He was almost completely computer animated, and so was Watto. But it was consistent throughout, right? I didn't, I didn't have a feeling, and this was probably because they weren't human or trying to be human. But I didn't have a feeling they were fake, right? I think they did a good job with that. Mm-hmm.
1: And you couldn't find out there are races out there that are just uh, immune to force
0: effects. Yeah. What do you think you are, Jedi? My, or Jedi? I'm a Tridarian. Mind tricks don't work on me. Toy Darian. Toy Darian. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Nerd. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Only money. So, we meet Watto, and then we meet Anakin, I'm not a slave, I'm a person,
1: Skywalker. (laughs) And another introduction into, this is a children's movie with the mechanic bots, the little nose bots.
0: Which we get to see play with uh, Jar Jar, and then we'll get to see later, in more hilarity. So, I, you know, I don't know if I've ever seen that kid in another movie again, but I thought he did pretty good. I did not have any problems with him.
1: Apparently, he also got it really bad once in, out in the real world, too, that he got picked on a lot, you know, in school and whatnot, hmm. and uh, he's just had a rough life, I man, in and out of jail a couple times. Oh, that's sad.
0: Cause I I thought as far as his performance went, and probably with all the faster, with more intensity direction he got from Lucas, I thought he did a good job. Yeah. But his lines were like a kid talking. He did things like a kid. You know, it, he was fairly believable in this world. Yeah, I
1: really have a problem. I just you know, again, there were certain story choices that we'll get up to here in a little while that were just like.
0: Really? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So we get to, uh, where do we go from there? We basically get to the conundrum that, hey okay, we've got to bet in order to win what we need. Well, f-
1: first they go from Watto's place to, to Anakin's house where we meet 3PO. Yes. 3PO yeah. in his most basic form without coverings, just built by Anakin. So that was kind of, again, one of those things where George Lucas is like, hey, everything is connected. Yeah. Which is why The Last Jedi irks me
0: to no extent, but... <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to spit in everybody's face. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it kind of like rubs you even more wrong now that you rewatch the earlier movies. You're like, you dick face. Right. <laughs>
1: uh, so we see 3PO. We meet Anakin's mom. Find out that he has the miraculous birth. He was conceived by the Force.
0: Space Jesus. Right. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't...
1: One of the things that was probably the biggest controversy of this whole thing was that the Force wasn't some mystical thing. that it was these tiny bits of bacteria called chlorians. Yes. Now, after spending some time thinking about this for the first few years, my idea was that chlorians wasn't the Force. It was a way of measuring a person's influence with for the Force, how much control of the Force they potentially could
0: have. Right, and that, that's pretty much how I took it while I was watching the movies for the first time. And pretty much how I watched it from then on because it just makes sense like that the jedi would you know given a couple thousand years of existing with high technology, they would figure out how to do that.
1: Right. Like
0: they, they would figure, they would find something and, okay, we're calling this type of bacteria that points that stuff out, Midichlorians. Okay, that's fine. Like, you know, there's, there's, we've got kind of markers for that kind of crap all over our bodies. We just haven't figured it out yet. Right. <laughs> that was never a problem. It was when the people started talking about like the Midichlorians were the place the force came from. Then I was like, okay, no, I'm calling bullshit. Right. <laughs> and that was how
1: people <laughs> interpreted it. And i would be
0: like, that nah, doesn't sound right. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, why? why would it be that way no that's stupid no sorry the force is still is supposed to be this uh, this thing right 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 please George Lucas <laughs> <laughs> you're killing me here you made space Jesus what the heck man <laughs> gotta admit I don't really agree with that story choice because I don't think it matters okay well <sighs> sigh <laughs> I don't know if it matters it might matter at the end of this this coming movie. Because, okay, if you have this giant convergent... Because that's what they call them. They call right. it a convergence in the force, right? That's what Qui-Gon says. This convergence in the force that creates a person. Okay, fine. But something has to come out of this for the like force to do that, right? And at the end of the episode 6? At, at the end of Jedi. Uh-huh. <laughs> you don't have that, right? You have... His this convergence's son turning to the good side or the light side mm-hmm. and and being like the last Jedi, so yeah, <laughs> like like it's not grandiose enough.
1: So we're still talking about like why the Betty Clarins were essential for the plot. Is that what you're asking?
0: No, I'm I'm saying like. Anakin Skywalker being, and there's a there's actually a technical word for the miraculous birth mm-hmm. because you know really really small creatures do not mammals I don't think but there are some creatures that do that or the female of the species will effectively clone itself. Mm-hmm. Of course, that's not what happened here because you have a woman having a, a male child. So that <laughs> wasn't that. So if you're going to use that kind of thing, mm-hmm. that piece of the story, like it's too huge. Right, oh. like it's it's too big of a like a plot point just to like exist and then not and not be concerned about it or have it fold out into something like massive and gigantic. Now, granted, coming from the civilization that we do, where we have you know you know one recorded time that this ever happened, and it turned out the the one guy that this happened with was God. <laughs> <laughs> you know, our expectation for using this kind of a thing in a story pretty high (laughs) on what it has to you know what it signifies so uh uh, yeah
1: but i think the kind of he did this because i mean it it shows a certain folly in reading you know tea leaves and and trying to prophesize and whatnot and i think that was kind of how that underlying storyline was was meant to go is that this guy was going to save you know the galaxy and the jedi and really he just destroys the Jedi. Yeah. <laughs>
0: you know, and and that's all fine. And you can do all of that with just, you know, prophecies and this guy having the biggest metachlorian count of, of anybody and him being obviously the chosen one. And, and you can do all that without having to put in the, oh, virgin birth part. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that was unnecessary. Maybe it won't be. Maybe the last movie will make it more explainable or necessary or something. But a- as the storyline stands now through all the movies... It's an unnecessary component.
1: I don't think it takes away from the story myself.
0: I don't know. I think it adds an, an expectation that's unnecessary.
1: And I didn't have that expectation. And mainly that was due to because we kind of knew how this was all going to play out.
0: Right. And interestingly enough, the opinion I just gave there has come about over time. At the time, I didn't really care <laughs> <laughs> when I first saw the movie. It's like, okay, whatever, Space Jesus. Let's move on. Okay, midichlorians. Okay, whatever whatever. <laughs> this is all exposition for the kids, because this is a kids movie. Let's mm-hmm. get let's get on to the fun stuff.
1: I just think it's, like, you know, part of, like, Arthurian lore. Does anybody know who Arthur's father was? Some Roman guy? <laughs> you can't even say that with, you know, with, with a confident voice. I mean...
0: am <laughs> pretty sure the legend stems from one of the governors who, who was named Arturus, so I'm pretty sure his dad was Roman of some variety, but, uh... But as far
1: as the, like, the, the story of King Arthur. Oh,
0: well, yeah, but none of that's, like, necessarily... Directly true Anyways <laughs>
1: Anyways we find out The kid has got a way To get them the money Which is by racing 14 year old's gonna go Into a street race
0: <laughs> <laughs> Except it's a 6 year old How old is he? Yeah he's like 6 He's like 6 or 8 <laughs> Yeah Yeah 6 6 or 8 year old's Gonna get into a street race Where life and death Is a very real possibility <laughs>
1: And two thirds of the of the adults involved are okay with it. Yes, which is it's,
0: it's sort of like his mom is like, no, no, it kills me inside every time you do it. And Padme is like, we can't be seriously thinking about this. <laughs> Qui Gon, the reasonable Jedi, is like, let's do this thing. No blood, no foul. Come no on. Blood, no foul.
1: And then Yo the betting to. So that way we know how he's going to be freed, and it's kind of funny you walk into the race knowing how it's going to end, but the race plays out still in a very
0: exciting way. So if you go and watch traditional races, or I said traditional race, traditional race movies mm-hmm. like Le Mans, or even to a to a lesser extent the Fast and Furious movies. <laughs> But it, let's see. You go you go watch Le Mans or something. The start of the race, the way it's shot, the you know the countdown to go, the you know zooming in on people slowly and what you know as they breathe, and you know they, you have the engines rumbling when they everything turns on. And then when they go and the stalling and the how the race progresses, it's all shot like a traditional race scene. Mm-hmm. They just happen to be flying these these crazy ass little pods tied to giant and you know turbines, right? <laughs> Jet <laughs> engines, effectively, right? <laughs> And that, for me, I think, it really makes it. I think if you had tried to shoot this a different way, like, oh, it's a different sort of racing, and so it's something completely different, and it would have made it much worse. I think shooting it as a, like a traditional race made it exciting, it made it fun, it made it interesting, and it made it relatable.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it was great to see all the the little um, Easter eggs and whatnot. You see uh, Warwick Davis in there in a shot next to uh, Watto, and Jabba the Hutt makes an appearance, and mm-hmm. all. These other little critters and whatnot, so. Again, you feel very Star Wars like. Like this was the cantina scene for this movie.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And you have the, you know, the one uh, slave girl standing next to Jabba is wearing the, you know, Princess Leia slave outfit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, very much so. The announcers were great. Two-headed announcer. <laughs> Again, kids' movie. Right. <laughs> but still a lot of fun.
1: Oh yeah. Well, so if you remember, there's a kid in these scenes. Anytime there's a scene with the pods in on Tatooine in this movie. There's this little, I think he's Indian. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I know what you're talking about.
1: Kidster. So the funny part is, is I listened to a Star Wars podcast and they've gone into a lot of research and they don't know what happened to this kid after this movie. Really? Like nobody knows what happened to him. Where he went. What he did, nothing. (laughs) Which is really unusual, because a lot of these guys, you know, when they appear in these movies, they own up to
0: it, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, it becomes part of their IMDb thing, and they use it as ways to get other jobs. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I mean, when I went to Star Wars Celebration, I want to say it was like 2015... 15, 16, somewhere in there. The guy who played Dak, one scene in the whole movie. Yeah. <laughs> he was coming through the lines, you know, when everyone's sleeping overnight in the convention center for the opening ceremony. He was coming through the lines in the middle of the night, get pictures and sign autographs and glad hand people.
0: Like you do. But that kid completely disappeared, huh?
1: So it was just kind of funny. I wanted to mention that. It's one of the few actors, characters who just completely just. Disappeared And he was, he was there. He had a few lines, and everyone remembers that his name was Kidster.
0: Weird. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. I'll submit that to the Jimmy Akin's Mysterious World podcast. See if, <laughs> we can, if we can track him down. <laughs> what happened to Kidster from Star Wars? The <laughs> one. So... It was aliens.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was aliens, ironically. Yep. So we have the race. Anakin wins.
0: And uh, I gotta say, by far, my favorite, uh, it's my favorite scene in the whole movie. In this movie? Is the is the podcast, yeah. Or, a no, certain podcast. <laughs> is the pod race scene.
1: Mm, I don't know. Because uh, the, the big duel at the end of the movie is, is probably my favorite. Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> okay, yeah. So, that's the one rival.
0: <sighs> okay, well, let's just keep talking. Yeah. <laughs>
1: so... Uh, Waddle tries to back out of setting Annie free, and then the mere threat of going to the, you know, the godfather of Tatooine Mm -hmm. allows him to keep him. And then this is where suspension of disbelief comes in again, as they get all the way back to. The ship, well, they're trying to get back to the ship, and Anakin's running far behind because he's got little legs, bygone mm-hmm. senses. Darth Maul, who we've kind of seen interspersed here, and now he, he comes into the action part, and Qui-Gon turns around and tells Anakin to drop. You know, and Anakin just does it on command, and just like, that would never happen with a child. <laughs> that kid <laughs> like, would have gotten like, run why? right over. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> why
0: am I supposed to drop? <laughs> because you dead. Body blood. <laughs> brains everywhere. <laughs> Stop calling on Sir.
1: I'm tired. Drop now. What? Did I hit another deer? (laughs) Did I
0: hit another desert space deer? Yeah, now I'm pretty sure Qui Gon was using some Force speech in that, because otherwise, <laughs> kid, kid, not going down. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna end up all over Darth Maul's speeder thingy.
1: And this is where our minds get blown when we see it for the first time with the double lightsaber. Like, whoa, that's possible. <laughs>
0: no, that doesn't come out. Yeah, it does. No, it doesn't. Pretty sure it does. Nope, he fights with the one side in this. You know, yeah, the double. The double doesn't pop out on this one. Hmm. It is not the big reveal. There is a lot of, like, if you watch it closely, you're like, hey, why is his lightsaber so gigantic? It's, it's true. <laughs> yeah, okay, but, you're right. Uh, he doesn't fight with both sides of it. You're no. right. My bad. That's right, I'm right. That's right. <laughs> Simmer down there. <laughs> hey, I'm going to gloat my victories. <laughs> I have to be humble everywhere else, not here. <laughs> so, Gorgon
1: fights Darth Maul and escapes, and we go off to Coruscant.
0: Mm hmm. That's uh, so, that's, we're on our third, third planet. Third planet. Now, it'll be our
1: second of three travel scenes because there's only three planets, but they make three trips.
0: Yes. Because we end up going back home.
1: Right. But this is where we kind of see where the natural intuition towards piloting again comes in for Anakin because the guy's explaining to an eight-year-old how the ship flies. Yes.
0: This is Yaw and this is Pitch. And that's all correct, folks. (laughs) (laughs) That stuff was accurate. (laughs) Then we meet uh, Senator Palpatine, really for the, you know, we saw a little video of him while he was talking to the the queen earlier but now we really get to meet him and you're like that's totally emperor palpatine (laughs) because it's the same actor (laughs) yes it is literally the same actor His voice is the same
1: this is probably where everyone considers the dullest part of the movie the the middle third of the movie,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, you could brush over Coruscant pretty quickly. It's basically a bunch of talking scenes, right? Uh, where they're trying to progress the the concept that the Senate sucks; it's not going to help them, even though they've been invaded, and the Chancellor Florim needs to get kicked out, and Palpatine's going to replace him.
1: And also that the Jedi don't believe that Anakin is the prophesized one and shouldn't be trained.
0: Well, I don't know about that. First part, because they never really render a judgment on what they think he's the chosen one, but they do say they don't think he should be trained. Right. You definitely get that as far as the chosen one bit. They acknowledge that Qui Gon thinks he's the chosen one, but they never really say whether or not they do. Uh,
1: one kind of concludes the other. If they thought he was the one, wouldn't they train him? Well, I don't know. I mean, they wouldn't want some guy to be the one to just nilly willy be out free in the galaxy, and yeah,
0: I don't know, he's not the one. That's a different movie series. <laughs> well, in The Chosen the One. The Chosen One. Right. <laughs> hey, I'm going to get nitpicky. <laughs> Might as well go all the way on this one. So, uh, yeah, but you're right. I think, you know, I think you're probably right there.
1: Yeah, and then we see the obvious manipulation of how Palpatine comes to, to
0: power. Yep.
1: So then here's, again, where we kind of see some more questionable story stuff is how enamored... And in, uh, we kind of uh, we skipped over that too on the the trip from Tatooine to to Coruscant, how quickly and irrationally Anakin has become enamored with Padme, who we think is. The Handmaid.
0: Oh, Handmaid. Yeah, you know, you've got two two things going on here. You've got the Anakin, effectively first time away from home and away from his mom, but also dealing with the concept that he may never see his mom again. They kind of they told that to a six year old. <laughs> <laughs> so he's got that, and then he's got this cute older girl who has uh, taken an interest in him and has talked to him before, and then who comforts him while he's on these journeys, and who kind of keeps him around. You know? um, She gives him, you know, a blanket while he's sleeping on the ship, and she ushers him along when he doesn't know what to do.
1: Right, but before all of that, I mean, before she gives him the blanket, well, knowing as she's giving him the blanket, he's handing her a necklace that he made for her to show his affection.
0: Yes. Well, something about... I'm supposed to give her good luck. Right.
1: And then again she responds with I don't need this to remember you by and you know, you start really getting the weird emotional vibes from the two, you know, the the 6-year-old and the 14-year-old. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. I I'm I, I didn't really see it. You know, I kind of just saw it as a I want my mom and you're the closest thing here. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a thing. Which, again, is weird on its own, but understandable.
1: But then, again, it, it's the morphing of that relationship. Because then, you know, like you said, go to Coruscant. And he's wanting to go back to say goodbye. And I know I'm probably reading too much into it, but to me it was just... Yeah, you, it you are. It's okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe or not. I don't know. I don't know what Lucas was trying to trying to do there. Right. <laughs> if he was trying to set up stuff in 2 and 3, or if he was just... Really, it's just two. Um, or what he was trying to do. I'm, I'm not sure. And to me, it didn't come off as creepy.
1: I don't want to say creepy. I just want to say awkward. But then again, I tell my wife all the time with younger... In movies, when they have young people in love, it's always awkward.
0: Yes. Well, uh, in reality, when young people are in love, it's stupid awkward. Right. <laughs> so then, you know, it's just a projection of reality is what it is. Yep. Okay, so we're on... We're back on Naboo. Back on to the and, and they... They hatch this crazy plan.
1: Yep, we gotta get a bigger army. So, we're going to go prostrate ourselves to the frog people.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and then George Lucas pulls the old swissaroo. <laughs>
0: yep. The uh, they plan goes about as best as it could have gone. They get all the way to the... Viceroy, and
1: well, I was talking about how you find out that the handmaiden was really the queen, the queen was really oh, yeah. the handmaiden, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> yep, yep, dun, dun, dun.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yep, and then yeah, the plane goes. About as well as can be expected. Of course, you know, once again, the <laughs> paternal instincts of Qui-Gon Jinn. Stay in that cockpit; <laughs> you'll be safe in there. Yep,
0: yep, yeah. So you've effectively you've got three, no, four scenes going on at the same time. You have the the battle between the droids and the gungans, yep. which is kind of fun, but we don't spend much time there. And mostly it's the antics of Jar Jar. <laughs> yeah. And we've got the queen fighting her way to the viceroy, which is not terribly interesting but it's a fun series of hallway fights more effectively
1: yeah that apparently the queen knows commando tactics
0: yep yep somehow the 14 <laughs> year old
1: queen knows <laughs> commando
0: tactics 14 year old queen of a democracy and a. What did they describe? A very peaceful planet? Right. Those commando attacks.
1: (laughs) Which, once again, the peaceful part is evident in the starfighters that they have. Once again, the size of smaller Cadillacs
0: (laughs) that are just as effective in a fight. (laughs) Yes. Somehow, somehow, small child saves the day. (laughs) With R2. (laughs) Yes. So then you have the the third scene, which is the space uh, battle, which is fun, but uh, very... Mary Sue-ish? <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. I'm not
1: sure what you mean by Mary
0: Sue-ish. <laughs> You know, he's destined to be a great starfighter pilot. Oh, look! He just took out like the whole, you know, the whole droid facility by accidentally flying into the wing, you know? right?
1: And the <laughs> torpedoes just happened to find their way to a power conduit that overloaded the reactor.
0: Yes, it was very much, it was very Deus Ex Machina <laughs> <laughs> going down. Success through <laughs> blind luck. <laughs> yes, exactly. But like, just such a huge, continuous stream of it for like that. It was basically everything. That happens with Anakin after he gets in that cockpit.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And then you get to what I consider the best scene was the the Jedi fight. But when you take all of those into account, you got to think that George sat down and went, whoa, I have taken a way bigger bite than I really meant to take, so now I'm going to have to divide all this up and focus on one big thing and three smaller things.
0: (laughs) Yes, and honestly, I think he spent too much time on Anakin in the spaceship and not enough time on the really amazing fight scene. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, I thought he, he gave the line share to the fight scene, to Qui-Gon and, and Obi-Wan-Darth Maul fight
0: Um, you know, I don't know It definitely felt like between the four scenes, the, the Jedi-Sith fight and the Anakin flying the spaceship scene got more than the other two Yeah But I think those two got the, the same amount of screen time between the two of them nah. Whereas I would have erred more on the fight because... Damn, that was
1: cool. Yeah. (laughs) That's when you just saw the the amount of effort put into that scene and and, uh, the abilities of the Sith and the Jedi and the fight and how epic it was. Because the longer that fight went on, you're like, the stakes are getting higher. (laughs) Yeah.
0: You know, from a lot of perspectives, this was, it, it seemed like this ending 15 to 20 minutes was kind of George's way to say thank you to all of the non children. <laughs> sitting in the audience for watching his kids' movie.
1: Yeah, especially because you know he cut the the bad guy in half.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah, it was the one scene where you saw like a real person really die in the pod race, the scenes where the people may have blown up, they may not have blown up. But they weren't real people anyways, they're monster aliens. Who cares? <laughs> as Darth Maul, possibly a monster alien, but... yeah. It gets cut in half in a very up-close-and-personal kind of way.
1: And really, it, it's dramatic because it's the first time we see the fact that the, the good guys can lose.
0: mm mm-hmm. Yeah, because he kills Qui-Gon. Right. And he does it I mean, it's not like he's he's not trying, but he does it, and it almost seems like he wasn't trying that hard. <laughs> because then when he does try that hard, he, he beats, what's his name, down pretty bad.
1: Right, because he did have the upper hand for the longest time in that fight. Yeah. And then all of a sudden,
0: no. It was pretty much a, oh, you blinked, and I used that second where you blinked to shoot myself up out of this, grab a lightsaber, and... Catch her in half. <laughs> <laughs> and I won. Ha <laughs> ha.
1: Well, okay. So, yeah, it, that was, yeah, mall gloating. You know, and the obvious uh, flaw in bad guys is that, you know, their arrogance is their downfall. Mm
0: hmm. Again, kids movie. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you have to make that but it was very super clear.
1: epic and you really got into it and the music of course. The music for this, for this movie, which was orchestral and some backup singing, you know, like a backup choir mm-hmm. was so good that there was a music video for MTV for it.
0: Yep. Yeah. That's that song in particular, the Duel of the Fates.
1: Right. And that's how well it's known, is that it's known outside of fandom as the Duel of face. Like, people know the name of the soundtrack title.
0: <laughs> yeah, so that was, that was good. God, best part of the movie. As far as action sequences go, they're so good for both of their type of action sequence. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's such a, a well-done sword fight, and it's such a well-done race. Yeah, I'm not going to choose. I love the (laughs) book.
1: And really, when you think of it, that's what saved that movie, those two scenes. Because if those scenes hadn't been in there, the rest of it probably would have been fairly boring. Oh, yeah.
0: (laughs) Pretty flat out. (laughs) Yeah, but luckily they were, and they were amazing. You know, the choreography of the sword fight mind blow. Right. You, know, you get the dual bladed lightsaber suddenly pop out and you're like, Oh my gosh, what's gonna happen now? And he's using a fight one guy on both sides and then he's very effective, you know, from that point on at eliminating one of them mm-hmm. so he can he can single out the other and just fight him. And he, he, he just as he as Maul moves the fight deeper into the power structure and separates them and they move up and down the platforms and then into that whatever the hell that was <laughs> yeah, I can't I, I work in the power industry that whatever that was made no sense. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what it was there or what it was doing
1: apparently it's like a th- like if you go back there is a one of those cross-cut books you know the books that explain all the different scenes and what they were if i remember correctly it's like a thermal vent and that all the those force fields were there to like prevent leakage or whatever yeah yeah <laughs> there's an explanation i just don't know it
0: yeah, and it's probably not a good one. <laughs> no, you know. Yeah, it looked cool. That's why we did it. Okay. We, we say
1: that it's science fiction. Really, this is science fantasy. Yes. Yeah,
0: that's a good point. <laughs> but yeah, it's just how Maul moved the fight. And then, you know, he loses at the end. But you can tell very much that uh, Obi-Wan's the underdog. Mm-hmm. He is not going to win this fight. <laughs> and it definitely looks like he's not going to win this fight. And he pulls it out at the end. <laughs> Cuts him in half.
1: And then Queen captures the voice, Roy, and the battle is over. Yay, the good guys win.
0: Yeah, sign a new treaty, they have a parade, a bunch of kids singing about it.
1: <laughs> There's a quick scene with Obi-Wan and Yoda where they talk about, you know, training Anakin. And it, it, it's good to point out this because I think a lot of people may have missed over it, is that the council is okay with Obi-Wan training Anakin. Yoda, specifically, was like, I do not. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. He's not a, he's not he doesn't agree with it. Senses too much fear in the boy. You get that Palpatine saying he was gonna watch his career with great enthusiasm or interest.
1: In the parade we see Anakin gets his Jedi
0: boot camp haircut. Mm-hmm. The little rat tail. The little rat tail. <laughs> and then uh burning old quiet gone gin. <laughs> burn him! <laughs> he's a witch. <laughs> I don't know why I think that's so funny right now, but I do.
1: I should point out that uh, this is a Darth Maul was an instance of a character that people wanted to learn so much more about that they wrote in a way for him to have survived that. (laughs) Yes, and so that he can continue to appear in Star Wars for years after.
0: Yep, so well beloved. Almost as much as Jar Jar.
1: <laughs> Which I mean, I guess they could go. Well, if that was possible, that's what explains the Emperor Palpatine showing up in Episode Nine. It was like, well, if Maul could fall, I could survive that fall.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I guess an old Sith could too. Right. <laughs> All right. So, uh, parting thoughts. It was good. I liked it.
1: I, I like it more as the years go on. Uh, again, though, it's one of those where I decide to pay more attention to certain things and not to other things in order to keep my love for it.
0: <laughs> Misa, not know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I basically agree. It's good. It's a solidly good kids movie, and I don't necessarily like it more and more over the years, but I definitely find Jar Jar more annoying over the years. But uh, besides that, still enjoyable. Still, It still is enjoyable. Today, as it was to me, you know, when I saw it at midnight on opening night, right? So, still a Star Wars movie to me. Oh
1: yes, absolutely.
0: All right, this has been another episode of Pat and the Fat Man. I'm Pat.
1: I'm the Fat Man, otherwise known as Bruce.
0: Stay classy.
1: Take it easy, folks. So, you ready to do this? That's what she said. When has any woman ever said that? Uh, (laughs) That's a good question. I have no answer for that. Asking the important questions.